you know, I, I, I guess I'm not sure if you've heard of the word ambivert, uh, but uh, many people believe sales, you have to be extroverted to do it because they associate it with networking and, uh, you know, interruptive approaches and so on, which is more geared towards an extrovert. Uh, but actually, the research shows that the salespeople that get the most results on a scale of one to 10, they come in at around a three, 3.5. Uh, so they're closer to introvert than they are extrovert. Uh, and they call it ambivert is the uh, actual term. Uh, so I guess what I what I realized, uh, and I'll come full circle, is that I, I had to embrace the ambivert in me uh, to become better at it. And the more I just threw away the old idea that you had to be pushy, uh, the more I got started to see some results. Uh, and I just did more of what worked and less of what didn't work. This is the Ingles of Latitude podcast, session number 176 with author and sales coach, Chris Spurvey. This is squadron leader confirming hostiles inbound. Prepare for battle. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, you got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston with Veronica Kieran, host of the Stories of COVID podcast. If this is the first time you're listening in, this is the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists so that you too can find and execute your own personal mission and of course, live a lifestyle that you're proud of. Now, as we've been talking about, there's a lot of pivoting going on recently. And frankly, it's understandable with the, you know, with the lockdown in place, uh, people's livelihoods have been affected in, in a very negative way and they, they can't serve others the way that they're used to. So they're, they're forced to do something different. Now for many, that means finding a new job. However, for a, for a certain section of the population, that means starting their own business. And they might have considered doing it up to this point, but for some reason, they just haven't made that leap. And usually that reason is that they get hung up on the idea of sales. For many of us, when we think about this topic, we imagine some extrovert out there who simply can't take no for an answer. They've been taught all kinds of tactics to get through reasons why someone might have an objection for buying. And while that concern is valid, uh, because pe there are people like that, that's that's not the only form of sales out there. And in fact, the most successful sales people are actually not extroverts, but what's called ambiverts. And their sales method is actually much more subtle. In today's conversation, we're speaking with Chris Burvey, who's a pro when it comes to teaching and working with people who want to develop their sales skills in this manner. In our conversation with Chris, we'll be talking about his initial perspective on sales, how someone can change their own view of sales, and how he found himself writing a book on the topic. But first, I want to tell you guys a little bit about my resource that I made specifically for people in transition, Uncover Your Personal Mission. 
And in this chat with Chris today, we'll be talking about how he realized he was actually good at sales. Before he realized this, though, he had to spend some time figuring out why he was having issues in the first place. And part of that, I believe, for, for many people is, yes, they don't have a great perspective on the sales process. But the other part, I think, is that they, they haven't really done the homework to figure out why they should reach out to others. Or as Chris mentions, they don't know their strengths. Because let's face it, if you're trying to sell something you don't believe in, then you're going to struggle, especially if you're trying to sell your own services. And for me, I had to spend time figuring out how I could leverage my passions and my skill sets into my own work. And what I found out was that not only was that possible, but it's actually part of an age-old model on how to be successful in work and life. So in my free resource, Uncover Your Personal Mission, I walk you through the process of defining your own passion, purpose, and process. And once you have that info, it'll be much easier for you to plan your own mission to accomplish what only you can do in the world. And in fact, if you don't have this inventory of yourself, any advice will sound like great advice. Even if it puts you somewhere, you have no interest in being when you actually get there. So if you want help finding your own three Ps, you can grab this guide for free at newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. Again, that's newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. All right. Remember to subscribe to the show on whichever platform you're listening in on. Also leave your mark as a comment or a review. You know, not only do they affect the chance that other people find the show, but it's a great way for you to get involved in the conversation as well. And in fact, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I'll be sure to read it in an upcoming session. As always, if you'd like a formal introduction to any past guests of the show or simply need help in scaling your business, you guys can email us at heyguys@newinceptions.com. Again, that's heyguys@newinceptions.com. Always love to help our listeners in any way that we can. Show notes and show note extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 176. And as always, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston alongside Veronica Kieran, host of the Stories of COVID podcast, which you can find on anchor.fm. Veronica, how's that series of yours going? I remember the last time that we actually talked to you and just spoken with someone in China. And, you know, I also saw that you had the chance to speak with a friend of the show, uh, Gregory Deal, who was a guest of ours quite a while back, which I'll probably end up throwing up in the show notes for the heck of it. But yeah, how's the, how's the show going? It's good. Uh, and, you know, just to reframe, it it happens to be a podcast show right now simply because I can't write a book while the event is happening. But ultimately, this will be another in the stories of series books that I write as an anthropologist. And it's been really incredible. I've spoken with people in over 20 countries so far, and it's uh, kind of blown up now. It's caught its own momentum. I wake up in the morning and there's uh, people signed up that I've never heard of. And it's, it's been really incredible. It's been really incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. There's, um, there's some really cool stories. There's really good, uh, different projects that I've heard out there that are trying to do the same thing. And it, it, it's, it is important that, you know, people get their stories down. This just, this has never happened before. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's great to get all those kinds of perspectives. And in fact, it sounds like you might actually line something up with today's guest. So that's, that's cool. But uh, yeah, no, it's um, speaking of today's guest, he's uh, someone that, you know, we've been recently talking about um, the pandemic pivot and, and adjusting recently. And he's, he's definitely no stranger to that particular concept. And in fact, 
uh, some time ago while he was consciously choosing entrepreneurship as a, as a means to create a better life for his family, he realized that uh, his negative beliefs about sales were actually holding him back from, from taking his ventures to the next level. And like many, you know, he saw that this was a major hurdle for his business. And what he soon realized was that other entrepreneurs and business owners were suffering from the same mental block. And so he went to work on himself and eventually found a way of, of helping others do the same thing that he was successful at then at that time. More recently, he spearheaded the growth of Plato Consulting to the point where it was acquired by one of the largest consulting firms in the world. And during that time, he sold over $300 million in consulting services. And since then, he has turned his focus to helping other non-sales sellers, including myself, <laughs> find a way to grow their revenue in a consistent, stress-free manner. Uh, today, we're speaking to Chris Burvey, who can be found at chrisburvey.com. Welcome to the show, Chris. And what I meant by that is that I originally found myself as a non-sales kind of person. So I'm glad to have you on the show. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. I often wish my wife was listening to those introductions because then she'd know who she's married to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's funny that, you know, that 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 how that works. I mean, it's just, you know, a lot of time, like right now, aren't we like, you know, for me, I'm kind of looked at as Mr. Mom, right? And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually doing things in the office, believe it or not. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. different world we're living in. My, uh, you know, my wife is a teacher and she's home as well uh, now uh, through this. And uh, all of a sudden she's getting a bird's eye view into actually what I do. You know, it's a, uh, and I've been working from home for the last number of years, but all of a sudden I feel like I'm being watched uh, a lot, lot closer than I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I can completely understand it. Um, my wife Maria, she's you know not only um, working from home, but we're having to figure out okay, the daycare is closed, so where you know do we keep Johnny at home or do we find a a, a babysitter? And today, um, the babysitter was actually doing another job, and so we actually have, and so that's been an interesting dynamic as well. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's different, definitely different times. Yeah, big time, big time. There's no, I don't, I, I don't know if we'll ever find out what a new nor what what a normal is. I think we're going to be in a, a state of uncertainty for quite some time, and maybe uncertainty and ambiguity will be the new normal. You know, we just gotta kind of adapt to that, and it's probably not a bad thing, even though obviously we don't want to look at anything that's happening in a positive light as such. Uh, you know, I'm I, I'm referring to the sickness and the death and so on, but. Uh, if there's anything that I'm I'm personally realizing is that you know we're it, I think we're grounded we're becoming more grounded uh, whereby we we were just becoming I think as a as a as a society we're becoming we're becoming too disconnected from reality. Mm, yeah. 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 I could definitely relate with that. So, but yeah, getting back to uh, why we have you on the show, um, you know, you're, you're in the sales world and, and, and have a lot of success, not only with helping yourself figure out sales, but help them teach other people do the same thing. And, you know, for me personally, I kind of restrained myself as I was going through school, college, you know, because I, I really put myself in a, a in a mindset that sales was a specific personality trait that people have, right. I guess you could say, yeah. and that my specific personality being more of a chameleon, um, like support kind of, yeah. if you were to go on to the disc, like 
I, I naturally go to S, but because I am a chameleon, I'll see myself if I'm hanging around dominant type people, I'll act, I'll act that way. If I'm being around artistic people, I'll be artistic. And if I'm around, um, you know, the disease, the, the uh, computational or the analyticals, I, I'll be analytical, right, which right. is, you know, my own personality. I can do that. And which is sad, but I found that out after I had gone through engineering. <laughs> which, yeah, don't, I don't recommend that. Um, but yeah, tell me how you were programmed to actually believe that you couldn't do sales, and and then what opportunity or set of opportunities came along that allowed you to get over this this mental block for yourself? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting. Like I I have a, a very vivid memory. Uh, that I've talked about numerous times, uh, and I can even specifically state the year. The year was 1983, and uh, I would have been 10 years old at the time, and a knock came to our door uh, in during the middle of Sunday supper, and it was the uh, door-to-door Electrolux vacuum cleaner salesman, and uh, mm. he managed to wiggle his way into our living room in a very short period of time. And over about a 45-minute period, I witnessed uh, how my mom and dad struggled to deal with his, uh, his objection-fighting approach, you know. Uh, and so I, I guess at that age, I learned, I began to associate because my mom and dad ended up buying a vacuum cleaner for three thousand dollars, which is in today's dollars twelve thousand, wow. and they never they yeah. hadn't talked about the need for a vacuum up to that point in time, you know. Uh, so they ended up fighting about it uh, for the next two or three months as they tried to figure out how to pay for it. So, uh, <laughs> oh my God. yeah, so that was a vivid memory of mine that uh, obviously anchored what I thought sales was, and I brought that into, uh, you know, I. I knew I was an entrepreneur, uh, so I went the entrepreneurial path very early in life. As soon as I graduated, even during while in university, uh, I had a business going with a couple of friends. And because I was uh, the less technical person of the three of us, um, I got given the sales the sales role. Uh, so I and I went out and did sales in the way that I thought that you had to do sales, which was effectively pushy, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and getting your face and so on. So that failed miserably. I, I fell down and picked <laughs> myself back up so many times. Uh, uh, however, I had to do it and I had to figure out how to do it. Uh, so, yeah, so that's how it was rooted uh, in me. And uh, I guess I reached a pivotal point where I said, you know, if I'm going to fa- if I'm going to do something with my life, I've got to learn how to do it. And I got to learn how to do it in a way that is unique to me and my personality, which, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I'm not sure if you've heard of the word ambivert, uh, but uh, many people believe sales. Yeah. yeah, many people believe sales. You have to be extroverted to do it because mm-hmm. they associate it with networking and, uh, you know, interruptive approaches and so on, which is more geared towards an extrovert. Uh, but actually, the research shows that the most uh, the results, the people, uh, the salespeople that get the most results on a scale of 1 to 10, they come in at around a 3, 3.5. Uh, so they're closer to introvert than they are extrovert. Uh, and they call it ambivert is the uh, actual term on it. Uh, so I guess what I what I realized, uh, and I'll come full circle, is that I, I had to embrace the ambivert in me uh, to become better at it. And the more I just threw away the old idea that you had to be pushy, uh, the more I got started to see some results, uh, and I just mm. did more of what worked and less of what didn't work, and, and 
the way away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So do you think that, that that that's the reason why people tend to have, you know, this this mental block with sales is because they they believe that you have to be that extrovert yeah. before yeah. actually doing yeah. I think I think it is. I mean, Slight I think push. I think yeah, I think in reality of it is is people think sales is something you do to somebody. Uh, and the reality of it is, is, is sales is all about really solving problems. It's, uh, for the right person who has the problem. And if we have a solution to that problem, then all we do is share it. Uh, and we let the chips fall where they where they may. I mean, I, I personally am a believer in honoring, honoring the buyer. Uh, and if they want to buy my solution, uh, then let's let's get to work. Uh, but if they don't, then let's also get to work and move on, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So and stay in touch if it makes sense. Uh, so I, I guess what I try to my hardest to do is remove that friction feel from sales uh, and maybe focus more on the service, uh, the sharing, uh, and so on. So it, and it feels better for most people. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. And I actually really identify with that because I am ambivert and it took me a long time as well to figure out that that was what I was experiencing and why sometimes I just really needed to be indoors in the quiet yeah. with a book alone. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah can, I can really relate gotta... to that. Like if I, if I, put, when I put in a really solid day of talking to people like you and I, we are doing now, uh, I need to decompress and I'm three, two and three Definitely. hours decompressing. And I could be just lying in my recliner reading or with my eyes shut. Right. Uh, so I, uh, I'm not, I'm far from an extroverted person. Right. Yeah. That's, it's been hard for me to, you know, go out and network in the evenings and then I come home and you can't just go to bed. You've got to like take that time to come back into yourself kind of before yeah. you can go to sleep. At least I do. Yeah. Um, so I love hearing you saying that you like to stay in touch with people, even if a sale doesn't work out. Um, and so I kind of want to point just like straight towards the dark piece of, of our imagery of salespeople in our culture, where you've got the sleazy car salesman wearing an old brown suit with mustard stain on the tie. <laughs> like He's going to talk you into something that he's going to give you a car and a package that it's going to break down in the next week. And it's going to be just crap yeah and (laughs) so to put it another way we think of sales as shoving something down another's throat that doesn't serve them or just as we said a moment ago doing something to somebody yeah (laughs) acting upon somebody who doesn't want it which uh yes uh so that stigma doesn't help anyone it doesn't help entrepreneurs and change makers fearlessly reach out and grow their work and it gets away in the way of the consumer as well because consumers, AKA people, humans, we need things. We need services. We need stuff that serves us, that helps us. But if we are afraid to go and find those things, then we're not going to find something that is actually supportive to our lives. And then we all lose out on both money and relationships. Um, And that's why I was like, I love that you just said that you love staying in touch with people and building those relationships, even if the sale isn't working out at first. So for the for our listeners that want to go through that change and pivot and they they know that their mindset has to shift but we're, they're not sure what avenue to start thinking down right because if we're going to stop thinking in this direction we got to start thinking in another direction mm. what major shift do they need to dive into sales without the fear stigma and alienation yeah uh well there's a how to the t- there's a how around that how to actually do it 
but I mean, the the, the rea- we think in pictures, you know. Uh, so if I say the word refrigerator, your mind subconsciously flies into your kitchen, and there on the screen of your mind is a picture of your of your refrigerator. In the same way, when I say the word sales, uh, your mind looks at the picture that you think it is. So we need to change the picture. So how do you change the picture? Well, uh, you know, I think I think it's a if initially well. The how around both of these things. So, A, you have to believe in what you do. You have to believe in what you, the solution to your, that you bring to the problem. Now, so you have a, you have maybe two problems. A, you don't, you may not believe uh, right at the, at your core, in your bones, uh, that your solution is, uh, it solves the problem. And B, you have the negative image subconsciously of sales. So how you actually make the change, there's really two ways to make a change. One is through a um, an emotional impact, meaning you but you go bankrupt because you can't sell. So you wake up and you realize, oh my God, I'm bankrupt. I have to learn how to sell, and then you you learn how to sell. Or B yeah. through some form of a spaced repetition, a consistent spaced repetition of a new idea. So that's and I would prefer to go to the root of the spaced repetition. Um, yeah, rather than crash and yeah, burn. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> the dark night of the soul is useful, but also very very different exactly yeah so i mean i'm a believer uh that we we need to have a vision and in our vision i have a one-page vision which when i read it which is every day uh, i go through a morning routine of reading my vision uh which i can certainly go down and tell you a bit more about but let me just say i read my vision and in my vision i am delivering my service uh in a confident effective way I'm feeling the energy from my clients uh, and how happy they are uh, with the pro- with the solution I'm delivering and the results they're getting and they and so when I read this I see myself um, delivering it in a very positive effective way and I've been doing this now for 10 plus years reading my vision uh, and the result of a vision is self-motivation uh, and the mm. and the Elements of self-motivation are things like consistency, enthusiasm, uh, persistence, perhaps, if it makes sense. Uh, uh, you know, all the, all the characteristics that we need as, uh, as business owners or sellers uh, to get out there and, and make it work, right? So that's the how. I don't know if I've directly answered your question, but it, to me, it really comes down to believing uh, and then uh, B, getting out there and understanding sales is actually solving problems. Yeah, I, you know, in the coaching world, we talk about leading with love and serving others, just like you're saying. So, you know, somebody needs a coach or they want to work with somebody who's going to help them improve, whatever it might be. Uh, you're not there to shove coaching down the throat. You're there to help somebody transition and to grow. And that comes from a place of love and it change. It changes how you talk about it. And it feels more like an invitation. I love telling yes. my clients to just create an invitation Yes. Welcome them in, make them feel safe because that's ultimately who you want to be as the salesperson, right? Yes. We don't want to be the guy in the brown suit. We want to be somebody making things better for others. Absolutely. Yeah. Another, um, and you mentioned JC uh, disc, uh, another great tool that I've leveraged myself personally and uh, my clients are, are leveraging is strengths finder. Um, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I found for me when I learned my, initially my first, my top five strengths, um, which for me are activator, uh, maximizer, empathy, uh, competition 
and futurists. Those are my top five. Uh, when I read the descriptions, I, I, and, I, and every day I, re, I just do a little meditation on those five strengths, and I think about my day upcoming and the meetings I have, the conversations I have, and I visualize myself bringing my top five strengths to those conversations. Uh, and, and I did it this morning when I saw this podcast recording on it. I said, I, how am I bringing my futurist, maximizer, empathy, competition, and so on to the table in this conversation. So when you look at things through the lens of your strengths instead of your weaknesses, uh, you'll bring yourself more powerfully to to your interaction. Yeah, yeah. That's very true. Actually, the co-host, the other co-host of the show, Andy Dix, he uh, he's actually a trainer for the Reese Motivational Profile. Have you heard of that by any chance? No, I haven't. No, sounds good. Well, sounds cool. it's very interesting. Um, a lot of the personality tests that are out there actually focus more on labeling actions and ways that mm. we normally behave, whereas mm. this particular test gets into more of the why if that makes sense. Mm, so like that. So a lot of, again, kind of looking at, you know, your Myers-Briggs or your disc or whatever, they kind of look at the, how does someone act? How do they behave? Whereas this one, you know, is actually, why do they do that sort of thing? Yeah. And if you understand that, that take, I think that really takes it up to another level. And I, and I totally recommend people looking into uh, that again. It's called the Reese Motivation Profile, and I'll be sure to put put his interview in the show notes as well. But yeah, I'll be checking that out for sure. Something that I have been thinking about quite a bit recently is, you know, why entrepreneurs or business owners or people who are newly making the tr transition from the nine to five world to the business owning world you know, why do they struggle to, to find success? And there's different things that I think hamper people's transition or their ability to get things done. Part of that is that they focus so much on, on, on the passion, which is, you know, something we can go into detail um, with as far as, you know, past guests. And, you know, we've talked about this, but another thing is that um, really people, lack consistency and persistency, I think, in their effort. And, you know, I, I think that a lot of times people are looking for really just, and they don't want to say it, but they are looking for maybe what is really what's the smallest amount of work that possible that I can put into doing something that's going to get me the greatest ROI. What, what do you think about that concept? Well, uh, God, I could, uh, there's a couple of things resonating with me as I was listening to you going down that path. Uh, I also think I, I think a lot of the reason people are failing, if they if that's the right word, is they're just everyone's being copycats of one another, and uh, we you know we're we're reading things and watching things and webinars about how to do it. Uh, mm. And I love that uh, uh, that motivation piece you referred to. That you know, the, in, in comparison to say strengths finder. Um, uh, I think we just need to be unique to ourselves and, and find a way to do things that feel good for ourselves. And, and I think the feeling of doing stuff that feels good, uh, the more you do that, the more you'll find what works, right? And, and so I think we need to all stop being copycats. Uh, mm. But uh, with, you know, with that all said, uh, I, I think, you know, you talk about, like, I do believe in the 80-20 um, mm. 20% of our 
uh, efforts actually produce 80% of our results. And that might right. not be 80, 20 exactly. But so I, um, I do believe that on an ongoing basis, we should be focusing in on what's working and doing more of what's working and less of what's not working. Uh, and as a result of that, we end up with more time to, to do the things we love to do. Right. Uh, uh, so I, you know, so I guess if I think through the eyes of a brand new entrepreneur, I would say, I would say to them, find a way to do it that feels good for, uh, for them. And then as you're moving along, just every day, uh, for me, before I go to bed at night, I write down a few notes of what worked and what didn't work, what felt good, what didn't feel good. And then when I wake up the next morning, I look back over that little list and I just decide every day to try my hardest to do more of what worked, uh, and less of what didn't work. And, uh, uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, I guess for me, I'm a believer in 80-20. I'm a believer in minimum effective dose. Uh, you know, water boils at a certain temperature. It doesn't boil hotter any, at a higher temperature. We just need to zero in on what what works for us individually uh, to achieve the results that we're looking to achieve and just be, be relentless in the pursuit of that ideal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, done a lot of, actually research on this and and funny enough we had someone on the show not too long ago that kind of like reverberated what i was saying is that it's a combination of not only you know what we were talking about going after passion but also finding your purpose right where do other Mm -hmm. people see you fit into the world and as he called it your profession but i kind of call it your your process right yeah yeah Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There is. I, I've been doing a little bit of let's call it meditating these days on uh, this idea that uh, is it goals that we really should have, uh, or should we be focused in on the process that uh, we that you know process and systems are so important uh, because without the processes and systems we we are really we we just continue to get ourselves frustrated uh, and goals can really just you know you just you get so frustrated that you forget your goals, you know. And uh, so for me, I'm I'm kind of lately focusing in on what's the system uh, that's going to generate. Let's just say for my business, what's the system that's going to generate the right number of leads at the right cost, uh, so that I can build the business in the way I want to build it, uh, which is leads to a vision of you know working when and where I want. Right. I I've been down a path most recently where I've been doing a lot of one uh, one-to-one work with clients in the in sort of the quote-unquote consulting space um it's not really in line with my vision uh, to be honest with you i have a, more of a vision of one to many uh mm-hmm. whereby i take my message to many a, and the tactics and techniques to many um and you know you gotta you gotta find the white space in your life uh, to be able to get to that because with going down a path of one-to-one coaching or consulting you can right. really yes you can have a lot of impact one-to-one uh but it's not the impact you can have one-to-many mm-hmm. true yeah so i've been focused on the system uh that generates uh the right the mm-hmm. right uh funnel uh within the with the right economics uh to lead to that right and i love selling yeah. people um in the entrepreneurial space to think about their work like the scientific method. We all have a hypothesis mm-hmm. of what's going to work and then you test yeah. it and you see what yeah. works and what doesn't. And it takes away a lot of that emotional factor. Like it's harder to be afraid when you're just testing something because uh, yeah. it's not as much about you. Uh, and then you find what works and you replicate success and yeah. uh, you throw yeah. away what didn't. And 
Absolutely. I, yeah, yeah. yeah f- funny enough, uh, I'm in the midst. I'm a, I'm a co-founder of another technology company uh, called Lifecycle, uh, and that's a code name right now because we're not gone full steam into the mar- ah. into the market yet. Uh, but uh, just this morning, I uh, reached out to uh, an inter- the leader of an inter- uh, of an enterprise architect organization because this product we've built focuses in on enterprise architecture within insurance companies. And I reached out to the guy uh, who I knew a little bit, and I simply said, can you do me a favor? We're in the process of collecting feedback around our value proposition. And uh, and within seconds, he came back and said, of course, right? Uh, so oh, sales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, uh, to, to me, and I actually believe you can take the, the favor approach to sales and take it very far. Uh, uh, and you can land enough customers through a favor approach mm-hmm. such that mm-hmm. you end up with enough customers who become then testimonials and referral sources for you. Uh, and if you have a methodical approach to to generating those initial group of customers and nailing home some real key wins for them customers and ter- and then having a system with for you know, ensuring proper uh, follow-up and feedback, which leads to great referral conversations. Selling can be very easy uh, hmm. if you just if you just approach it right. And and I love the entry of uh, in the sales as the with the favor, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to take a second to pivot then and on the same topic, but I, I love talking to entrepreneurs who end up writing books and maybe not even expecting to write a book, uh, but somehow the stars align and it made sense to put something out there in print. And that's what happened to you a few years ago. And uh, it, it ended up a bestseller and making a really big impact. Uh, so do you mind kind of talking us through the experience of that that decision where you where you said to yourself, I'm not an author, but I think I'm going to write a book. <laughs> uh, I love this topic. Uh, it gives me goosebumps, actually. Uh, so so basically, uh, I read a couple of books uh, when, around the time I was trying to figure out sales. Uh, I read a couple of two, two books that stood out for me that were narratives. Uh, and I love narratives because they change the images on the screen of our minds of what the of what the topic is. Right. Uh, you we like, like I said, we think in pictures. So for me, I read a book. One of them was called The Greatest Networker in the World. Uh, the other one was called Mock Two with Your Hair on Fire. And both of them had key messages around what sales was. So I uh, and then I took those and, and I, I, I actually created what, what I believe to be success with sales. So fast forward, we sold our business to KPMG, uh, and I was with KPMG as vice president of business development. I knew I didn't want to be with this large bureaucratic firm for the rest of my life. Uh, but I had, a, uh, I had, this, I stuck it out with them for the initial bit, uh, after the acquisition of the company. And so I decided to use that time for a passion project. And, uh, I decided to, uh, it was time to write a book. So what was I going to write my book about? Well, I had I always believe we're best equipped to serve people who are today in our in the same shoes we were two or three or five years ago, Definitely. right? Definitely. Uh, so I and and at the time I was the chair of the technology association here in the province of Newfoundland where I live, and I I was thinking about sales, and I got up and I was asked to speak to this group of thirty young entrepreneurs. And uh, I just went down a path and I said, what are some of the first words to come to mind when you think about sales? 
And the words I got back were sleazy, slimy, <laughs> manipulative, uh, uh, objection fighting. There was very limited uh, positivity amongst them. And it, the one, I think the one guy who did say some positive words, he's a quote-unquote uh, born salesman. Um, so I said, well, there's, that, that's the universe sending me a signal that my book is going to have to be about sales. So I decided to just simply tell my story. So, uh, you know, you talk about not, I had zero belief I could write. Uh, I barely passed English in, uh, in university. So what I did is I went online and I, uh, I Googled ghostwriter, uh, which led me to talking to a lady who said, you don't need a ghostwriter. You just need a coach. Uh, so I ended up hooking up with a coach who over a, t a 12, 16-month period, coached me through a kind of a three-draft process to write my book. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we it was a real fun uh, process. And lo and behold, it really pivoted me in this whole new direction. Um, and, you know, I, I guess as I was getting close to the end of the writing project, uh, I realized outside of my mom and dad I had no one to buy it. Uh, so I had to start going down this process of, you know, starting a podcast and, and writing some articles and publishing them on LinkedIn and, and so on. And all that just sort of started to get some momentum behind it. Uh, so, yeah, it was a it was a passion project initially and it's, it still really is, I guess. Uh, but, uh, you know, today I, I sold over 180,000 copies, which is kind of cool. And uh, yeah, it's done well. I'm, 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 I'm happy with the uh, with that one key decision I made. I can I know exactly where I was when I made the decision. I was sitting in the parking lot of a subway restaurant, a, a parking lot, and I said I'm going to write a book. Aww. And it was right then and there I googled uh, uh, ghostwriter, and uh, that took me down the journey. That's so awesome. So yeah. uh, knowing that you know some of our listeners are probably going to end up writing books at some point, and sometimes unexpectedly. So what? Um, what would you say to them if they feel like they're being pressed to write their book? Um, like, what's what's the point if they don't feel like they are authors uh, at heart? Yeah. Well, uh, what I'll say is, uh, you know, none of us, uh, when we're first starting out any project, we don't believe necessarily. If if we believe we can do something perfectly, if we're not aiming high enough. Uh, we're actually not doing something that is uh, we're worth. We are worthy of something greater. If, if we, you know, what I mean, we got we, everything. If you know, we, there needs to be a scare, a scare in us, a fear in us, uh, or we're not going to bring our best game to the table. So, uh, you know, there's ways around everything. There's always a path forward, which is, I believe, a quote by Julia uh, Julia Cameron, who wrote the book The Artist's Way. Yeah. Uh, there's always a way forward. And, uh, you know, I, an analogy that I have in my mind all the time is a shark and uh, not a sail shark, a shark. Uh, a shark is always moving forward uh, because it suffocates if it's not. Uh, so um, and every time I tell people that analogy, they say, oh, God, that's right. A shark does always move forward. A shark is never standing still. Uh, so, um, you know, in terms of writing you know, there's many ways to go about it. I mean, the first draft doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, it's like when you walk into middle into when you walk into an operating room in the middle of an operation, it's going to look like a murder took place. Uh, no, nothing looks good in the middle. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's that's what I would suggest. Uh, just just take the first step, write the first sentence, uh, which leads to a, a paragraph, which leads to a chapter, and worry about all the fine details in a second and third draft. 
There's actually a really good book. The, the, co uh, the, the, the coach I hired for my book, his name is Stuart Horwitz. He uh, owns a company called Book Architecture. And his book uh, is, is really good. It's a three-draft process that he outlines in his book uh, called The Book Architecture. Actually, is that the name of the book? Actually, it's not that. Let me see. It's the, uh, uh, yeah, Blue, Blueprint, your bestseller is the name of the book. Sorry about that. The name of his company is Book Architecture. So uh, as we're moving on through 2020 here, I mean, it's completely different than what other people have uh, expected, <laughs> to say the least. Noticeably, you were talking about a little bit about how you're pivoting a little bit before we got into today's conversation. Um, tell us a little bit about that and what you're excited about. Well, I mean, I guess I'm always pivoting, right? I mean, I jokingly call myself Chris Burvey 9.0. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe after COVID, I might be 10.0. There you um, go. And, and there's all kinds of different there versions. There's 9.1, 9.2, 9.3. Uh, so we're always pivoting because I do believe if we're not growing, we're dying. Uh, so we always need to be reinventing ourselves. Um, so for me... Uh, back in 2017, when I left uh, KPMG, I guess my vision was to do that a bit more of the one-to-many. Uh, uh, but when I started to meet with local um, CEOs, uh, the more, I ended up, I say, getting sucked into. I don't, but that sounds very negative. But that's the only words I have around it, into that consulting kind of one-to-one space. Um, but I, I believe my message is uh, something that can go wider. So I'm I'm using this white space to um, start to share more of my message in in things like this podcasts and webinars. Uh, I believe there's just a few beliefs I have that I've been working with my clients on uh, during these times. Um, you know, this is not the time to stop marketing. Uh, it's the time. It's the time to really zero in on our marketing. And I'm falling in love with the word contribution marketing. Uh, so, you know, find your core message and, and deliver it uh, to people. There, there's no better time. They're sitting at home. Um, you know, most of them are anyway. And so uh, there's no better time to get out there and share your message uh, than now. Uh, you have years to listen to it. And, and it gives you an opportunity to take a maybe just pivot back to where we were, uh, take a favor approach. Uh, hey, just like Colin and I are having a call next Tuesday about, uh, Doc Ridge and life cycle. Uh, you know, it's a great, great time to sh to do some exploring uh, of your message. So, um, and I also think it's a great time to really zero in on who your ideal client is. Uh, people still have problems today, uh, and they're still looking for solutions. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So I, I think we just need to zero in on our core message and and share it uh, and find the people who who today. Have the problems we solve uh, so it's not the time to go under the covers and and uh and wait for this to blow over because i don't think it's really i don't think it's really ever going to blow over it's a, we're all we're always living in uncertainty right mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah being able to pivot is a valuable skill and so those that yeah. hadn't yet learned it are learning it under the most difficult of circumstances but it will serve them oh yeah 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 and i mean <laughs> You know, it's all a mindset. I mean, the title of, subtitle of my book is Cultivating the Sales Mindset. Uh, you know, a mindset we should be trying to embrace, which we can do if we have a vision for our lives that includes us embracing it, uh, is the idea that, you know, one, we can make a quantum leap in our lives. Uh, and there's no reason why we have to just grow, quote unquote, incrementally. So, and I call myself 9.0. 
the, to move, the move from 8.0 to 9.0 is a quantum leap for me. Mm. Really, it really represents a quantum leap. Uh, it didn't happen overnight, uh, but uh, you know, when I when you look back, you can see uh, you can see very vividly the actual leap and the decision that it took uh, to make the leap. Right. Uh, so we all face decisions every single day, and uh, you know, I, I think if we embrace a mindset that we can take a quantum leap uh, versus just grow incrementally, uh, then you know, it, it opens up that possibility for sure. Yep. And. Yeah, and I mean, we are we are, we are a um, you know we are today a collection, the collection of our experiences, uh, failures, and successes from the past. So pivoting is just around having a mindset that we're going to do a little bit more tomorrow of of what has worked in the past and a little bit less of what didn't work, and and the pivot kind of happens very mm-hmm. organically from that. Mm-hmm. For sure, love that. So as we're uh, closing up today's conversation, uh, really, really cool conversation. I, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Always end with the uh, rapid fire questions segment. And uh, the first question I have is if you could add one song, one book, and one film to the national or global curriculum, what would those be? <laughs> wow. <laughs> one song, one book, and one movie. Is that right? Yes. Uh yeah, so one song for me. Uh, God, that's a really good question, and I apologize, <laughs> I'm not prepared. Uh, the song for me. Um, wow, that's a really, really good question. Uh, I, my a, a funny part of my life is I I used to li- uh, I used to play lead guitar in a, when I was in my teens with a, a local group. And uh, we were invited to play at the local church uh, that wanted to attract uh, Roman Catholic Church that wanted to attract young younger generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, the 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 Skid Row the song I Remember You was the one we played, and I blasted out that solo. Uh, so uh, go check out that song. I don't know if it's going to have any ma- monumental effect on you, but at least you'll get the picture crisper if you're playing lead guitar. Uh, <laughs> Nice, nice. Uh, w- one book. Uh, well, I uh, I guess I'll uh, hang my hat on the book that I, that no one's ever heard of that uh, that is, has had a huge impact on me, and it's Mach Two with your hair on fire. Uh, go check it out. The author is Richard Brook, um, based out of uh, uh, Idaho, I believe. Is based out of. It's a phenomenal book, and he's actually got a, a pretty solid web presence, uh, RichardBrook.com. And, uh, you know, the movie for me that stands out for whatever reason that resonates with me is Shawshank Redemption. I'll uh, throw that Mm. out there. Mm. Uh, You know, it has a great message. And so, uh, anyway, unprepared responses to three three great things. That's all right. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What's something that you've been learning about recently that you are excited to implement? Yeah, yeah. I'm always learning, and funny enough, this last couple of weeks, I've been diving into myself personally into Google AdWords uh, uh, as a mar- I'm a, I believe uh, I'm a ha- bit of a hacker, so I always try to learn a little bit about uh, whatever I want to deploy in my business before I, I sort of delegate it to someone to run with. Uh, so even though Google AdWords has been around for a long time, um, I've, uh, I've I've decided to you know do some testing of my message. Uh, it's a great tool to test messages uh, because it's pretty cheap to get, to just get exposure. 
and then you can gauge the interest based on clicks uh, and in turn then based on conversions. Uh, so uh, I would, that's what I'm in the midst of doing, learning Google AdWords. Hmm. Sweet. Cool. Yeah. It's a yeah. good philosophy to have. Yeah, that's, and it's, you know, a lot of people don't take the advantage of Google these days because of all the spend that's on, you know, advertising on Facebook and Instagram and Facebook, all these things. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, yeah, why not? Go for it. Um, what's one thing that you would love to do in your lifetime that no one knows about? I want to spend some a lot of time down in um, South America and uh, check out some of the really hot destinations of our world. Um, I want to go there without any mode of transportation and figure it out as I go, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, just go down there with no agenda, no agenda whatsoever, just to explore. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's the first thing that comes to mind. No one knows about that. I don't think anyway, it's the first time I've ever verbalized it, to be honest with you. And funny enough, we might know someone that could probably help with that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fantastic. A few of them actually. Uh, name one thing that costs under one hundred dollars that has changed your life. <laughs> These are phenomenal questions. Uh, I'll go with Evernote. Uh, Evernote has been a tool I've been using since two thousand and six, I guess, and you know I've used it for my morning pages. I, I'm not too. I don't use fancy journals. Uh, I just uh, go with a, a conscious stream of thought every morning uh, as a part of my morning routine. And uh, yeah, I've got uh, 10,217 notes now in Evernote, uh, and uh, I document my life in it. Hmm. Um, well, you know, what's interesting is that one of the five daily things that John Maxwell does is file. So it sounds like you're right there with him. Yeah, is, absolutely. So that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Final question. What's the secret to achieving personal freedom? Uh, I would say choosing. Um, And, you know, it's a conscious thought. It's a conscious choice every single day because uh, every single day we're battling our uh, our ego. uh, And our ego really wants to draw us into stuff that makes us feel important and, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, and so it's it's a constant battle uh, that we we fight that and just be right. A, a phenomenal book that perhaps I'll even I'll even I should mention it. Maybe it's even had even more of an impact than <clears throat> Mach Two with Your Hair on Fire is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Mm. Uh, and um, you know, it's uh, it, it's a phenomenal book. I I, I constantly re- listen and re-listen to it, but. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's a, that's we just got to choose. We're 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 the decider uh, in our own lives. Uh, we can get sucked into all kinds of different hairy things that uh, can distract us uh, from our core purpose uh, and meaning, which is really just to be of service to other people. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's really just an ongoing choice. Definitely yeah. love that. Love that. Well, Chris, you can you can be found at chrisburby dot com. Uh, again, that's spelled Chris with a C-H and then Spurvy, you spell your last name S-P-U-R-V-E-Y. So chrisspurvy.com. And uh, where can you be found at the socials? Uh, LinkedIn is the only real social platform that I am a part of. I, I'm big time on LinkedIn. I've been all in on LinkedIn since I was six. And, oh, wow. uh, yeah. yeah, so... Uh, Has yeah, it been around LinkedIn. that long? 
Yeah, since 2006, probably even before that. But that's when I really got engaged uh, in LinkedIn. And a couple of years back, I I mean, I have Instagram and and Facebook, but I don't really do much on it. Uh, I find LinkedIn is uh, overall a positive network, a positive vibe uh, of people looking to progress uh, in their careers, in their business. So it Mm. feels like my home. Uh, and it doesn't have a lot of the stuff that I'm used to seeing on Facebook, mm. which is a lot of distraction. Yeah, I hear that mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Chris, again, pleasure, and uh, it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. I'm very grateful for you inviting me on the show. So there you have it. I have to admit, for the longest time, I, I thought the sales world was owned by extroverts. And even today, I think this is, to an extent, still because they have a natural talent and leveraging their relationships. I mean, after all, they get energy from engaging with others. However, just because someone has a natural talent doesn't necessarily mean that they're automatically going to be great with it. Uh, Greatness comes through adding value to others in a way that's unique to you. Uh, And the more you practice adding that value, the greater you become. Chris illustrates this principle quite well by knowing his strengths and leaning on them as he approaches each day. His sales game is at the level it's at because he knows what he brings to the table and knows exactly the approach he needs to take to leverage those strengths. If you have a negative view of sales and feel that you need to get better at the process, you now know you're not the only one. So to continue this conversation, I have a few videos from Chris on the topic of sales. In the first video, he reminds us that we're only one conversation away from getting whatever we want. The more people we have conversations with, the more likely we'll find that one opportunity we're looking for. The next video is all about getting your potential clients to be invested into the buying process, hopefully as much as you are. And for uh, better results, it's good to have your buyers do things in the process. And the reason why this is important is because you get them in a pattern of committing to do things so that when you ask for the sale, it's actually not the first time you've asked them to do something. Then the third video is of Chris sharing with us something we as entrepreneurs need to remember when selling. We're actually selling results, not the actual product. And in the fourth and final video, He shares with us a process of how to get out of a slump in sales. And really like the other three videos, these are great tactics to use regularly. Now, if you like these videos, remember they're three years old as of the publishing of this interview. So he's had some time to upgrade his resources. If you want to get access to any of these resources and more, feel free to get them by visiting chrisspervy.com slash resources. So again, you can check those videos out and the other notes at newinceptions.com slash 176. That said, what did you get from the conversation? Tag us on social media with any pointers you got out of the chat. Would love to converse with you guys on there. So that's it for session 176. Remember, before you start selling anything, you need to realize how it connects to you so that you know how to approach it when you're bringing it to the table. So to get a jump on that, be sure to check out the free resource, Uncover Your Personal Mission at newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. So with that said, thanks for joining us. Until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care in whatever you're creating. And we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go 
at facebook.com slash new inceptions, on Twitter at new inceptions, Instagram at new dot inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.